That is not what we want for your marriage. But, but you do need to know something. There is, there's bad news and good news. What do you want first? Bad. Sure you want the bad news because the bad news is a lot shorter than the good news. So let me tell you the bad news. There's an all-out attack on marriage and family by our entertainment industry, uh, culture, and by the enemy himself. I was reading as I was preparing for this. Derek Prince, he's a preacher. He was on a plane headed to another city. A man sat down beside him. When the stewardess came along to, to see if he wanted a meal, he said, no, thank you. I'm fasting. And so Derek Prince said, well, I'm a Christian too. What are you fasting for? He said, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Satanist. And the, the Church of Satan is fasting this week for Christian marriages and spiritual leaders that they'll be destroyed. The, the, the enemy knows. This is what he, he knows if he can destroy your marriage. And he just doesn't want marriage in general. He wants your marriage. He knows if he can destroy that, he can mess up your kids. He can mess up, all, just cause havoc and chaos all over the place. He, he's a liar. He's a manipulator. He's a deceiver. He will use any avenue or means to destroy you because he comes to still kill and destroy. That's the bad news. The good news is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God be for you, who can be against you? That God is the one who ordained marriage. He set it into motion. It was his plan for his purpose. And, and, and he's got a plan for it. So, so I, I just want to encourage you with that today. And, and as, I, as I look around and, and look at marriages, I'm so thankful that God is raising up some marriages that are not just enduring one another, but enjoy one another. Where men are taking their spiritual lead and, 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 and providing for their families. Where women are, are, are creating an atmosphere in a home where the presence of the Lord is welcome. Where, where there's just a desire by couples today to commit to the Lord and make Him first. And, and allow Him to dictate and decide and determine every direction that they go. And, and that's what I want for you because marriage is a good thing. I don't know what your marriage is like right now. I don't know what your example has been with your parents, parents, but marriage is a good thing. The Bible says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. And marriage is a God thing. You've got to go all the way back to the beginning where God created everything and it was so good. And then he created man and said, this is really good. The only bad thing is he doesn't have a helper. He doesn't have somebody that he can compatible with him. He doesn't have someone that can come alongside of him. So I'm going to, I'm going to put him into a deep sleep. And one rabbi said it this way, that he didn't take, he chose a rib from Adam's side, not a bone from Adam's head that he would rule over her, not a bone from his foot that she would be under him, but from his side that she would be next to him, from under his arm that he would protect her and next to his heart that he might love her. And for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and they'll cleave to his wife and the two will become one. See, marriage is intended to fill your gaps and make you complete. Marriage can make burdens lighter because you divide them. It makes joy greater because you share them. Marriage provides someone to share your hopes and your dreams with, to walk with you through the challenges of life and celebrate with you through the triumphs. Studies show that people who enjoy their marriage partner who have strong, healthy marriages, live longer, lead healthier lives, and are better off financially than those who don't. That's my hope for you. That's my prayer for you. And so I, I want to give you a few principles. I can't give them all to you, but just a few, four specifically. So if you're taking notes, jot these down. 
jot, jot these down. And let's work through what the Word of God says. And I also, I don't want to get, let's just go. Here's the first one. You've got to have a solid foundation. Maybe this isn't new. Maybe this is information that you already know. But this is so key. In 2009, there was this, it's called the Lotus Building. It's in Shanghai. And they built about 23 apartment complexes, built this one 13 feet high. And it's come to be known as the greatest uh, architectural blunder, really, in the modern day. They, what happened was this building is laying over. It, it fully collapsed. It just fell over one day. Thank God nobody, one person died from it. Just, just fell over. As they did study and found out, it was built on a bad foundation. They didn't have the right concrete, the right pillars, the right footers. They didn't, they didn't have it intact. And so right close to it was a river. The river flooded. The water went under the building. And over time, it sunk and it fell. This is not what I want for your marriage. I, I want for your marriage to stay strong. Again, I don't want you to endure it. I want you to enjoy it. I just don't want you to put up with it. I want it to be the greatest relationship this side of, this side of heaven. And, and you've got to build. If you don't, if you don't build on a strong foundation, you're going to be like the lotus building. What does the Bible say about foundation? It's in Matthew chapter 7. It's the longest recorded sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. For two and a half chapters, he talks about anger and adultery and marriage and relationships and giving and fasting and prayer. Goes through all this stuff. And then at the very end, this is the last two verses in the, in the sermon. He says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it. And I think what Jesus is trying to imply, hey, I'm, I'm just not saying this stuff for my own good. I just haven't spent this amount of time sharing with you these principles so that you could be smarter. you got to know, knowledge does not equal transformation. You can know it all and not be changed. Application equates to transformation. When you begin to apply what you know, that's why James said, don't be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer of the word. Begin to apply it to your life, and you'll begin to change and to transform. So whoever listens to my teaching, and today... It's not my desire to teach you what I think, what I feel, what I want. It's my desire to teach you the Word of God. So today as you hear the Word of God and you put it into application or as you follow it, you're going to be like a wise person who built his house on a solid rock. You've got to get that foundation. That's the most important thing. Though the rain comes in and the torrents and the flood water rise and the wind beats against the house. Listen to me. It's coming. And I don't know, I'm not, I'm not being negative. I'm telling you, we, in this world, you will have tribulation. I'm not one of these guys where, hey, just serve Jesus and everything is pie in the sky, roses and flowers. It, I mean, there are storms. There are challenges. You're going to have difficulties in your marriage if you're married long enough. You're going to have some stuff that you're going to have to work through. The, the floodwaters are going to rise. If you build it on a faulty foundation... It'll collapse, but if you build it on bedrock, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, he's a foolish person who builds his house on the sand. And when the rains and the floods came and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse like a mighty crash. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for my marriage. So we've got to build on a solid foundation. Here's what the psalmist said. Unless the Lord builds the house, he who labors, labors in vain. You... The foundation is so, so important. And I just want to talk you out of, I'm going to do my best to talk you out of building your foundation of marriage, of life, of anything on what you think. 
The Bible says there's a way which seems right to a man, but it ends in destruction. I mean, you know, your biggest problems, no one has hurt you, deceived you, or misled you more than you. If I, if I could kick in the rear end the person who is, who is responsible for my missteps and mess-ups, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. What I think is a shaky foundation. It's not solid. It's not stable. I make too many mistakes. I don't, I don't know enough. What you think is not a good foundation. Another, I, can I talk you out of this? Don't build your marriage, your life on what the culture says. You know, you know what the Bible says? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in it. That doesn't mean you can't love his creation or animals or stuff. That's not what he's saying. If you love the principles and the precepts and the philosophies and the ideas of the world, if that's what you follow and that's what you want to adhere to, then the love of the Father is not in you. Because you can't love God and love the world. You'll, you'll love the one and hate the other or devote it to the one and despise the other. And God says, you got, here, you want to follow culture? Go back with me just a few years, 40 years, really, a few decades. And, and here's the most popular TV shows. In the 1960s, you know what it was? You know, anybody? No, you have no idea. And I don't either unless I look on my notes. Leave it to Beaver was the most popular show. You remember June and, wasn't it June and Ward, Cleaver and Little Wally and who was the Eddie Haskell guy that was always getting in trouble? And they didn't even sleep in the same bed. The parents did. I don't know. I mean, they got two kids, so it worked out somehow. But, but it just something, that, that was our ideal family. And then you go to the 70s. It was the Waltons, most popular show. Yeah? Whoa. I wouldn't be real proud about that. I'm just, that's not something I'd shout about. But hey, night, John Boy. Remember that? No, some of you do, some of you don't. Well, you're not missing anything if you didn't see it. Just, it was good. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't write me an email. Just, let's just keep pressing through this. John, the Waltons, family, picket fence, farmhouse. The next in the 80s, it went, listen, it went from Beaver to John Boy to Al Bundy and Married with Children. That's the culture. It went from, and you know what? Married with Children is all about critical tongue, jabbing, cynical in the family, no discipline, no authority. Everybody do their own thing. That was the 80s. It's sifting sand. It changes so much. In just 20 years, it went from, from June and, 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 and Mr. Beaver, whatever his name was, to, to Al Bundy. And then in the 90s, most popular show, Friends. Let's just forget marriage. It's overrated. It, doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Just, just live together. Let's just sleep together. Let's just do whatever together. And today the most popular TV show family oriented is Modern Family. And I don't know what you think about that. If you go to Wikipedia, you can just look at it. Wikipedia describes Modern Family as a mockumentary against the family of what God designed and what God ordered. You, you build your home. You build your life. On the culture, you're building it on shifting sand. You build it on what you think, you're building it on shifting sand. I want to encourage you to build your life, build your marriage, build your job, build your relationship on the only thing that doesn't shift, that doesn't change. The Word of God endures forever. The flower fades and, the, and, and, and everything else could go away. But my Word will endure. Build your house upon the rock. And when specifically when it comes to marriage, why is that so important? Because there's four needs, four specific needs that, that as a human, as, a, as God created you, that, that you need to be fulfilled, that you long for, that you desire. One of them is acceptance. You want to be accepted for who you are. 
You don't want to have to perform. You don't want to have to be something you're not. You want this unconditional acceptance. It's a need. And, and, and so what we do is in this need for acceptance, we'll, we'll try to get our spouse to meet that need. And there's no way. We try to get our kids to meet that need. And there's no way, there is no earthly way they can meet that need. And so we get, we get confused and we get disoriented and we get frustrated because my spouse isn't meeting that need. They can't meet it. Only God can meet it. You can, you can only feel that, that acceptance. That's why the Bible says God demonstrated his love for us in this. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died on the cross for my sin. My acceptance has to come from, from my relationship with Jesus Christ, that he fully accepts me, that he fully approves of me, regardless of my past or my performance or even my potential, I am accepted by Almighty God. Here, here you know what another need is? Identity. You, you need to know, you, you've got to have this need to be, so, so where are you going to try to get that? Many of us try jobs, money, and again, it doesn't fit. Often I'll try, well, my identity is being a pastor. And so it's all wrapped up. If I do a good job, then I'm good. But if I do a bad job, then I'm bad. If the church grows, then I'm okay because my identity is in that. But if it doesn't grow, we have a bad week, whatever, then my identity is, is, is not so good. And so we're trying to, the only person we can get our identity is through Jesus Christ. So I, preaching, pastoring is what I do, but it's not who I am. I'm a son of the Most High God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon me. He's lavished it upon me that I could be called his child. I'm his and he's mine. That's where my identity has to be based. And we try to, we try to put it off on other people and other things. This, this need for security. And again, money is my security. I got enough in the bank now that if anything were to happen, I'll be okay. No. It, go, it can go away. It can disappear. Your only security is found in Jesus Christ. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's your source. He's your security. And everything else is a lie and it's shifting sand. And then purpose. We all have this need. We all want to make a difference. You believe it or not, it's in there. God's created you for purpose. And so we, again, we try different things, different ideas, different avenues. And God, the Bible says, Revelations 4.11, I'm trying to help you build your life on a solid foundation. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy glory or for thy purpose they were created. I was created to bring glory to God. That's my purpose. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm about. My purpose is not to find out how much joy I can get out of this life. It's how much joy I can bring to God through my life. It's, it's, a, it's a realignment. It's building on a solid foundation. It's, it's seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these other things will be, be added unto you. I'm just, I just want to encourage you. Life is hard. Marriage is tough. It, the winds are going to blow. The storms are going to come. But if you'll build your house on the rock, if you will make a commitment to Jesus Christ that you'll desire to do his will more than any other will, if you won't lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, he will direct your path. He will help you with your marriage. He will help you with your kids. He will help you with your job. He is a solid foundation that you can put your roots down to and know that it is solid. See, this is what I don't want. I don't want you to injure your life saying, man... I didn't build on the right foundation. I don't want your life collapsing. 
I want you to build on the bedrock. I want you to build on the rock. And in marriage life, you can apply this to everything. Unless the Lord builds it, you labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds it, it's shaking sand. It's a faltering foundation. So have a strong foundation. Here's the next thing. Change me. And now, specifically about marriage, what we want to do is we want to say, God, if you'll change my spouse, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll endure this. I'll, then I'll keep going. You know, I can't change my I can't change Angie. I can change. All I can do is, here, we got this saying in my home, control what you can control. I can't control the circumstance. I can't control people's reactions. I can't control people's responses. I can't control the situation. All I can control is me. All I can control is getting close enough to God where he can change and transform and help me be all that he wants to be. Here's the verse, Matthew 7, 3 and 5. Again, I just want to encourage you. Let me just let the word of God do it. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? Man, I wish they they wouldn't act like this. I wish they wouldn't do that. I wish they would pick up this or do that. And Jesus is saying, hey, stop it. What, what, that, what are you doing? You've got a log in your own eye. And you know what? We, 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 we tend to magnify other people's weaknesses and kind of make our weaknesses seem not as bad. We, we want we we people to give us grace, but we don't want to offer other people grace. And Jesus is saying, he's going to say it in a minute, you're a hypocrite. You're trying to change everybody else and you've got your own issues. Quit trying to figure everybody else out and make them right, and you just get yourself right. How, how can you say to your friend, well, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye. Let me help you change that or transform that. When you can't even see past the log in your own eye. There it is. Hypocrite. Do one, one thing, say another. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Just, Lord, will you just change me? Will you just help me. And here, and as we talk about this, this principle of change in me, you say, well, well, I can't change. You know, I just, I just got this anger issue, and she just brings it out of me. And I just, I got this, I got this, just, just who I am. I get mad quick, and I kind of fly off the handle. And she's, oh, she understands, because afterwards we make up, and, and everything seems to be fine. And, and my daddy had an anger issue, and my grandfather had a daddy issue. Can I, can I just tell you, that's not your nature anymore. Look at me. The Bible says when you get born again, you get several things. You get a new heart. God takes a heart of stone, a hard heart, and the Bible calls it a heart of flesh, amendable, a teachable, a sensitive, a, a heart that he can shape and mold and, and form. You get a, you get a new heart. I, when I was coaching basketball, I would always have these little kids that weren't very skilled, weren't very size-wise, didn't have it all together, but they had this huge heart. And they, could, they would dive on the floor for a loose ball, and they'd give you everything they had. Man, I love that kind of kid. And then I'd have this other kid who had all the gift mix and all the skill set, had the size, but he just didn't have a heart. He didn't care. And I just thought, man, if I could take the heart of this little kid and put it in the heart of this app, man, we would really have something there. And I went, that's what God did for you. He took an old heart that was that was deceived and wicked and, and he put in the heart of Christ that, that, that in it pumps the grace of Jesus and flows the blood of the Lord and, and it's just a, a new heart, a different heart. You know, he gave you a new song, the Bible says, when you give your life to the Lord. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he came to me and he took me out of the mud and mire and he set my feet on a solid place and he put a new song in my heart 
a song of praise to my Lord. That tear in my beer, I can't make it song, it's gone because I got a new song. It's a song of hope. It's a song of victory. It's a song of joy. And again, it's not dictated by the circumstances. Look, this is opinion. I know I told you I was going to teach you God's word. I'm stepping out. I'm just saying opinion right now. I watched the Republican debate last night. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. I am upset in the direction of where we're going. Those guys just bickering and fighting back and forth. I just, I hate it. it. And if I'm not careful, if I base my joy on who's in the White House, I'll be depressed. I can't base my joy on anything, but I'm his and he's mine. That I got to... In fact, you know, and I, I don't want to make light of this. this. This is where I'm living. This is where I'm at. I want our nation to be blessed. I want the most godly leader in the White House. I want our nation to prosper. But I got to realize and be reminded, this is not my home. I'm a stranger. I'm an alien. I'm just passing by. I'm not going to get so planted here where I allow Fox News to keep me in a constant state of depression. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus the author and the finisher of my faith, and I'm going to love him and serve him and let the joy of the Lord be my strength. Amen, everybody? Amen. He's given us a new heart, and he's also given us a new nature. That old nature that wanted to argue with everybody, it's been changed. It's been changed. So when you say, look, I got this anger issue. It's just who I am. It's my nature. No, you got a new nature. That anger, that, that, those fits of whatever, they got to go in Jesus' name. You've been given a new nature. Well, well, I just got this nature. It's just my nature to, to, to succeed. I got this driven nature I hear all the time. Therefore, I got to work 80 hours a week. I can't be home. I can't tuck my kids in at night. I, I got to move up the ladder. You've been given a new nature. And I'm not about you not doing good at work. I want you to exceed at work. But I want, you to, I want you to build your life on a sure foundation. And that's Jesus first and family second. Family has to be important. It has to be vital. You've got a new nature. And it's not to make more money. And it's not to move up the ladder. And it's not to get the accolades and the praise of man. But it's, get, it's to get the praise of Jesus. And, and to be able to hear, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I mean, I, 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 I hear people, well, I'm just pessimistic. That's my nature. I'm just in a bad mood most of the time. It's just who I am. Friend, that's a slap in the face of Jesus. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. How can a Christian be pessimistic? We got to hug him. We got hope and joy and peace. We've got what? We've, you know, well, I'm just a nagger. It's just what I do. Well, stop it. Stop <laughs> There is nothing, you know what the Bible says, well, you know how they describe a nagging wife? Like a dripping faucet. <laughs> you ever try to sleep with a faucet? It's impossible. It just, it's like being nibbled to death by a duck. Stop it. <laughs> well, it's just who I am. No, it's not. You've been given a new nature. And your nature is not to be little and tear down. It's to build up and encourage. You, you, you say, well, I just want to motivate my husband. Your nibbling is not motivating. It's killing me. Killing us. Not me. You didn't nibble at me. It's killing us. It's killing him. <laughs> I, I'm saying, you got a new nature. You want to motivate your husband. Listen to me, women. Let me give you something. I mean, this will really help you. Tell him what he does good. Encourage him with what he's trying to do. Don't, don't nip. tap into that new nature. Well, I just can't change. 
you can change. You, you must change, and you will change by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. And, and, until, and until you get your eyes off of the speck in your spouse's eye, you're not going to become all that God ordained and destined and desires you to, that, that he wants you to be. I'm saying get your focus off of others and fix your eyes on Jesus and allow him to change and transform you by his mercy and his grace. That's good preaching. Here's, here's the next thing. Men, just write this down, men lead. And look, my, my, my desire, I don't want to beat up. Men get the raw end of the stick. I think often we leave church feeling defeated and it's all our fault. That's not my intention. But I, I do, I do want to say, men, you got to lead. Well, show me in the word. Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your husbands. And, and I, I mean, anytime you say submit, you get pushed back. You get, oh, he's, he's male chauvinist. He's, things have changed. It's the 21st century. Things have changed. 50 years ago, divorce was very uncommon. Today, one and two in a divorce. 50 years ago, pe- people kept their promise even when it hurt. Today, marriage is not a covenant. It's a contract. Fifty years ago, you could hardly find a divorce lawyer. Today, there are more divorce lawyers than there are dentists. Things have changed. Maybe we need to quit pushing, resisting, and trying to create what we think and what the culture says. And maybe it is in our best interest to go back to the Word of God and try to figure out what submit means and the head means and to align ourselves with God's purpose and God's plan and to build on a solid foundation. You know what the word submit? It's not a bad word. It's a military term. It just means to arrange in order. And anybody with any kind of common sense, you've got to know there's got to be order. There can't be five pastors of a church, a lead pastors. It won't. Two, two visions or division, it can't work. There can't be two, three leaders in a home. There can't be, th- there's got to be order because with order, there's a way where things can get done. And all submit means is I'm going to acknowledge that. And I'm going to come under the leadership of my, of my husband. And that's what the word head means. I mean, for a husband is the head. It could translate leader of his wife as Christ is head of the church. Here's how Paul says it in another scripture. Same idea, different passage. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. And that man is the head of woman. And that God is the head of Christ. If you get this idea that submit or headship or whatever means that they're greater than, are more important, are more vital, this verse right here just kind of knocks that out of the water. It said God is the head of Christ. Does that mean that God is superior to Christ? Does that mean God the Father is more important than God the Son? No, the Bible, the Bible is very clear that they are eternally co-equal. But there came a point in history where God the Son submitted to the will of the Father. And the Bible says that he left, he emptied himself and he came to earth and he was found as a man, found as the appearance of a man. He humbled himself even to death, death on the cross. He submitted to the headship of the Lord. He's not less than, God's not greater than. There was just an order, there was an arrangement. I'm going to do what the will of the Father says. I'm going to submit. I'm going to submit. Well, And then all the men, man, just, Hold on. Here's what the Bible says. There's not, there's not greater than or less than. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 3 7 that, that husband and wife are co-heirs, are heirs together. Genesis 1, 28, God gave dominion over creation to who? Just to Adam? No. It says he gave it to Adam and Eve, both of them. 
Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do who's greater than or less than or more important or more valuable. It's all about an order, a divine order that God wants to establish so the, func- so the family can function in a way that brings glory to God and blesses those who are apart. And so, I mean, when I say submit, women get, get stiff army and men bow up. That's right, woman. You better listen up. Pastor Stan said, I'm the head of my home. You better get in a, We're watching the ball game today. That we are not watching Lifetime for Women ever again. I'm the head of this house. I, I Hold your britches, big fella, because you got to know what leadership is all about. There's two kinds of leaders in the Bible that Jesus talks about. There's the lording leader. There's the servant leader. Let's read it, Mark 10. Jesus called them together and said, You know those who regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. They were in a position of authority. They were in a place of leadership. But they just want to rule it all. They, with an iron fist, they were under their thumb. They, 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 and they're high, they exercise authority over them. Hey, I'm the boss. I'm in charge here. You got to do what I say because that's, that's who I am. No, not so with you. Not so with you, follower of Christ. Not you. Not so with you, man of God. You don't act like that. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Servant leadership. And whoever wants to be the first must be the slave of all. For I didn't come, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. See, when you hear, here's three ideas about servant leadership. Servant leadership assumes overall responsibility for the family. We've got some, again, I don't want to beat you up. I'm just trying to explain the word of God. We've got passive dads, passive husbands that want to just relinquish that right and say, Mama, you're in charge, do whatever. And, and I think it gets it out of order. It gets it out of what God has designed. And, and, and I was reading, as I, I wish I had it on the slide. I didn't get it to the guys in time. But again, you go way back to Adam and Eve. I'm talking about they assume overall responsibility for their family. When things are out of order, they, they assume, well, I, gotta, I, gotta, I have a part to play in that. I, gotta, I got a job to do to get this thing back in, back in order, back in line. Adam and Eve, you know who the serpent came to when she was coming to tempt? You you know, she came to Eve. And you know who the Bible says was deceived? It was Eve. And you know who gave in to sin? It was Eve. And then then she comes to Adam, and she gives him the fruit. And a lot of guys are always asking, well, why did Adam take the fruit? Well, because it was food, and she was naked. Enough said. So she, she, he took the fruit, and then they both sinned, and they both got in a mess. And then, here's the point, servant leader. Stay with me. Focus, focus. Here's the, here's the point. He comes back. God comes back. It was in his habit of doing. And he walks amongst them. And you know who he cries out to? You know who he wants to talk to? Adam. Adam, where are you? And don't dig into this deeper than there is. Just help, the, help that illustration try to prove my point. The husband has an overall responsibility. He couldn't make Adam and Eve. I mean, she's got a free will. She's got to do whatever. But there's a responsibility to the husband to make sure that his family is built on a solid foundation. That it's built on, on the truth of God's word. You know what else about servant leadership? What it means? Not only do they assume responsibility, but servant leaders take the initiative. 
Well, she's the one that messed up everything. She's the one that needs to come and apologize to me. No, I'm the servant leader. I didn't come to be served. I come to serve. So I've got to take the initiative. I've got to step out. I've got to make sure there's reconciliation and healing. It's my responsibility to ensure that we're on the right track and on the right path. It, it's, I've got to take the initiative. If my finances are out of order, it's not her. Well, she's better at it. Maybe so. And maybe she needs to do the budget and manage the finances. But as the man of the home and as the servant leader, you've got to take an active role in that. You've got to take the initiative to make sure things are in order. You know what else a servant leader does? He prefers his wife. You're saying, I don't want to be a servant leader. I want to be a lording leader. You can't. If you want to do what the Word of God says, you've got you to be a servant leader. And some of you women say, well, I don't want to submit. And now what I see is you will submit, and you must submit, and you need to submit, and they will submit. And I don't mean that. Again, you gotta, the order will be in line and intact if you'll be a servant leader and take the initiative and assume overall responsibility. And prefer her more than yourself. That means if you only got enough money to get one outfit, she gets the outfit. That, that, means, that means if you're trying to, you got to buy a new car, that you don't get necessarily what you want. You have a, you have a meeting with your wife and y'all talk about it. And if you got to push that Jeep Wrangler with 36-inch tires that, 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 that you can drive in the snow and wherever, and if that means you got to push that back for a season so you can get that minivan so she can tote those kids around, then you got to do that because you're going to prefer her more than your needs or your wants, your desires. See, and that's what God wants from us men. He wants us to be servants, leaders, to take over our responsibility. It's not mama's job to raise the kids. It's our job. It's our job. You got to take the initiative. There should not be periods of time. You, you know, some guy said, I, don't, I never go to bed when I'm angry with my wife. We don't sleep for days, but we never go to bed. Never go to bed. It ought to be the man's job. We got to make sure, man, that we're, we're the ones initiating. We're the one. I'm sorry, baby. Well, well, I don't feel sorry. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what the Word of God says. You don't, you don't, you don't follow your feelings. You're led by your choices. And I'm going to choose to be a servant leader. I'm going to do that. And here, here's the last thing. Get help. Swallow your pride. Some of you are even sitting here today with... Nobody, no marriage couple has gone what I've gone through. You know what the Bible says? There is no temptation but such that is common to man. You know what that means? We all struggle with the same stuff. Well, I'm a leader. I'm a small group leader. I'm supposed to be above that, beyond that. I'm telling you, swallow your pride. Cloverdale is a grace place. You need help, we want to help you. You You don't have to have it all together to be at this church. You don't have to have everything in line and everything worked out and your kids be perfect. Friend, don't go to that church. That, that's a mess. That, there is no church like that. We want to be a place of grace and love and mercy where we come alongside each other and help one another and encourage one another. Can I swallow your pride? Reach out. We Still today, Angie and I have been married 20-something years, 23 years. We still meet with couples on a pretty regular basis that have done life, that are, that are further along in life than we are. It's for no other reason. Hey, we got this issue with this kid, or we're trying to figure this out. Uh, what do you think, and, and how can you help us? See, there, I don't want to have to experience some things if I can learn from others' experience. And this is what I'm at. I'm asking you older couples, you that have gone through the fire and been through the challenges, we need you. 
We need you to invest in the younger couples. We, we need you to help them not make the same mistakes you made. And younger couples and, and medium-aged couples, whatever I am, we need, we need to not be so prideful and arrogant and think, I got it all together and be able to reach out for help. We got marriage counselor at Cloverville, a, a, a professional counselor that can talk with you, help you, walk with you. We've got marriage mentors. Let us know. Call the church. Email Pastor Andrew. Let us know, and we'll just connect you with a mentor. To, maybe, maybe your marriage is not, it, maybe it's not totally bad, but maybe you just need a little push or a little, little encouragement. Marriage small groups, we, we just want to come alongside. See, here's my prayer for you on Valentine's Day 2016, that you get a renewed hope and a renewed, renewed desire, that a fire gets lit up in your, in your soul, that I don't have to just endure this thing, that I can enjoy marriage, that it could be the most rewarding, fruitful, greatest relationship of my life, that, that God wants to bless it, that God is for it that God ordained it, that God created it. So I'm just saying, build a strong foundation. Every other foundation is shifting sand. It's faulty. Eventually, it'll collapse sooner or later. I'm just, I'm just encouraging you. Don't quit trying to change everybody else and just say, Holy Spirit, change me. Make me the person you want to be. Men, take your rightful position. God has equipped you and called you and given you the ability to lead your home with integrity and with skill. Do it in Jesus' name. And get help. Get help if need be. May your marriage continue to grow and flourish as you fall in more and more in love with Jesus. Amen, everybody. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me.